So what was that about condoms? So I have a work event tomorrow and my boss was like, you need to get HIV tests from the office, but you also need to get a giant bag of condoms. So I went into work today and I was like, to my coworker, I was like, I need a giant bag of condoms and I need it now. And, and so we just started like, definitely didn't got make like any a jokes giant bag, like one of those like, like giant black bags and just started shoving condoms in there. Yeah. How many condoms do you plan to give away? Well, it's okay. So the event that we're going to is for National Sexual Tra- Sex Trafficking Awareness Month. And so there could be a lot of people that have been trafficked slash are currently being trafficked that need access to condoms for their sexual sure. safety. So, yeah. I'm also at the point where I'm, like, ready to, like, just decorate. You know how some people, like, decorate, like, Pinterest-y and they're just like, oh, I'm going to put, like, this, like, cute little chain or something. Yeah. Well, I decided that I'm just going to start decorating with putting different bowls of condoms around my house. So, like, some I'll have, like, magnums and I'll have, like, glow-in-the-dark ones and maybe some I'll have, like, lube in them and, like, Mm -hmm. you know, mix it up. Yeah, I did actually find out that we have a large amount of glow-in-the-dark condoms at my work today. Okay, bear with me. Yeah. It's Uber- but you rent out your house for sex parties and bear like with an me orgy. and bear with me. Yeah. We call it Luber. I love it. No, that's seriously. I love it. I don't know how many people would be like, okay with that because you'd have to like, depending on the sex party, you'd have to like get like a whole hazmat team in there. Don't overthink it. Depending on how much you like appreciate, um, you know, having <laughs> walls. I'm cutting all that. Out. <laughs> no. <laughs> to why will no one date these guys i'm joel guy i'm naomi guy and we are returning to hopefully the final part of this dr phil book please to say there could be another dr (laughs) phil book in our future naomi before we get started today and i force you to recollect the great advice dr phil has already given us uh, what sort of thing are we sampling today we are simply sampling the jones special release turkey and gravy soda 12 full ounces 355 milliliters it's back. For a limited time, you can experience your infamous turkey and gravy soda. <laughs> Grab a bottle while you can and bring it to your holiday gathering where even your vegan buddies can partake or chug the whole bottle if you dare. Just make sure to get it on video, share it with us, and we'll give you a Jones t-shirt. Cheers. Full details on our website. Oh, we should have videotaped all of this. Uh, so Wait, for our listeners, this is <sighs> another of the sodas that I have picked up on my travels in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, it is a novelty flavored soda meant to replace all 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 physical foodstuffs. Jones Company clearly wants the future to be liquid beverages. I think they'd really enjoy Soylent. Ooh. Boy, Naomi did not react positively to the smelling that. I don't want to drink it. Let me let me give it a whiff. It smells like carbonated <laughs> gravy. <laughs> I'm going in. That's pretty bad. <laughs> okay, it's like. You Unsweetened know when- gravy. It has like that fattiness. And then it also has like a hint of mashed potatoes. I'm not getting a lot of the turkey flavor. You know when you see the videos of the cat, like a cat smelling something and then gagging? That's what I just did. It's, um, if I had to describe the flavor profile, it definitely has hints of what they're going for. But it's <laughs> almost like, um, it's almost like an unsweetened piece of candy corn. Do you know, do you know where I'm coming from? 
it, it, it has no, like, I know exactly. That, again, That's that actually fattiness, really great but without way of the sweetness it. and yeah, the flavor, but carbonated. Yeah. Okay, I need another drink. I genuinely am not going to be touching that for the rest of the episode. Naomi is wandering off to go get another drink to wash the horrible sin. Is this worse than the plum soda? I think I continued sipping the plum soda. I think this is like this one's pretty. This one's first, and then the plum soda is a is a second. Well done, yes. Jones. Yeah. Well, well done. Naomi, we are back oh, with so Dr. Phil part three. Dr. Phil. Do we want to tread water and not discuss Dr. Phil and instead discuss what we're doing to stay sane this year and introduce our year tag? Because I don't think we've done that yet. I really wanted Lauren to, okay, we got it. Okay, if we're going to introduce it without Lauren, we have to give her full credit. Okay, so last year, Naomi, we had a catchphrase mm-hmm. or I guess a a year referral phrase, which was um, meant to inspire people and get people, you know, doing good things and making their year better. What was that year called? 2022. Much fun. Exactly. And the idea was 2022, you got to treat yourself. You got to do things you find enjoyable. So then we started scratching our heads and we're like, well, what can we call 2023? We need a new mantra. We need a new thing for people to ruminate on. Obviously people have been doing fun stuff all throughout 2022. What thing are they going to do for self-improvement this year? Naomi, what did we come up with? Lauren Pauls actually came up with this. 20, I don't know this person. 2020 Rigatoni. Rigatoni. Beautiful. 2020 Rigatoni is our new mantra for the year. It is all about living your best life, but also improving your skills. And I think this came about because Lynn got a fancy pasta maker yes, for Christmas. Yes, he did. And so he not started only, making me pasta last week. Not only is he going to have too much fun, we're going to have delicious Rigatoni. So... 2020 rigatoni is not just about food. Like I think food's a really good way to like experiment and like improve your skills and impress people and do all those things that are necessary for dating. Um, But it it also is about just general skills. If there's things you feel like you're lacking, things that you want to improve upon that would improve your quality of life, 2020 rigatoni is the year you get to focus on that. So with that in mind, Naomi, have you done anything so far this year in 2020 rigatoni? I got a job. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned my job before, um, I can't, I'm not going to say specifically where I work, but I work at a sexual health clinic in the Phoenix area and, um, I work with, um, clients who want to help prevent HIV. So I do a lot of work on a grant that helps, um, give access to PrEP medication. So pre-exposure, um, pre-exposure prophylaxis. And um, it's a prescription that helps reduce the risk of HIV when come in contact with it. So with that, I that's taken up a lot of my time. But I've been trying. Um, I needed to learn more of like a work-life balance when I was um, working in college because I would do a full way, like day of class and then I'd like go work at night. And I was like, why am I so tired? Like, I'm not doing very much. And then I realized, like, oh, I'm doing, like, two full days worth of stuff. Like, I'd, I'd do a full day, like, eight hours of, work, uh, of um, classwork. And then I'd go and do, like, another eight hours of, um, like, working um, for pay. So I think the biggest thing that I've learned is, like, to do things in the middle of the week with your friends. And even if it's just for, like, an hour or two, like, uh, this week I made dinner for my two, my, my couple friend and... Um, uh, her boyfriend came over and um Len was obviously here because he lived here and um we all just sat around and drank and ate tacos and it was a fun time so I think that the biggest thing that I've learned in the first month of January is that I need to like not only think 
like weekend is the best part of my week. I need to like make sure that the week, like the weekdays are just as good. Fair enough. And obviously that is hard. Like when no, you have yeah. a 40 hour week job because you want to come home and just nap. But like I've been trying really hard. Okay? My trick is napping at work. Oh, smart. Yeah. That's, Salary that's, employed. Yeah. That's uh, that's that's life, life balance for you. I've been doing a couple of things. I've certainly been making new food. I got a couple of cookbooks for Christmas, one of which is called the Otolinghi Cookbook. And Otolinghi is a restaurant chain in the United Kingdom that does vegetarian dishes. Uh, they, they serve meat, I think, too, but their primary focus is on like making vegetables taste good. And so Ooh. there's a wide variety of incredibly tasty recipes that I've been trying. I get a CSA every other week, so I get like a bunch of random vegetables and produce. And... Um, being able to experiment with those and turning them into something tasty is really fun. Lauren and I have also been doing some projects around the house. Uh, we've been doing some painting in our kitchen. Uh, we've been doing some um, preparation for potentially getting chickens in the next month or two. Ooh. It's certainly back on uh, our radars. And then we ordered some stuff off Etsy to just like try new things, one of which was an embroidery set. Mm-hmm. So it like, gives you a design that you follow, kind of like a paint-by-the-numbers. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, I've definitely been eyeing paint-by-the-numbers kits. <laughs> but just doing stuff that like is developing a new skill, trying out something new without like investing hundreds of dollars into a completely new hobby. I find that like pretty fun, pretty relaxing. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Something that we actually tried out for the first time last week was we had a friend over and Len made pasta for the first time. And it was just simple pasta. Like it wasn't anything special. We did like Alfredo and stuff with it, but it was really good. Like homemade pasta is so good. Whenever I travel to Europe, I am reminded of the idea that Americans get like inferior quality products for everything. Yeah. Because you try some of their just like normal grocery store brands and you're like, what are we doing wrong? Are we so obsessed with like our pursuit of low prices at grocery stores that we're ignoring, you know, the wonderful flavors of products that might cost, you know, 10 cents a box more or whatever? Yep. It's frustrating. It uh, is. Speaking of frustrating, Naomi, let's talk about Dr. Phil for the hopefully last time. God, By I lad, I mean so. last time for the book. The book, Do yeah. Do you recall what we've discussed at all? It's been a couple of weeks since we recorded those first two parts. Um, he, the main thing that, I, the main theme that we came to realize was that Dr. Phil is trying really hard to be a feminist without actually being a feminist. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what I said was something along the lines of Dr. Phil respects women but also thinks they're dumb. I don't think that's respecting women, Joel. Well, he's like, women have special skills they've developed from running households and being expected to do everything. But he also like doesn't make the connection that maybe women shouldn't be doing everything. And he's also like, women, you're so silly complaining about how fat you are. Well, some men enjoy fat ladies. In fact, I've heard men say that woman needs more time at the buffet. She looks like she's a moose antler. Yeah, really, really good. like a moose antler. You remember that line? No, I remember that, but that was definitely not the line. (laughs) With that in mind, we're going to jump back into hopefully the last part. I will try to make this quick. And before we get into the different types of men that women need to understand, I think it's important to talk about how sometimes men and women say different things. Oh, no. Now, Naomi, this was also a theme in another very popular relationship self-help book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Yeah. And in there, they're like, well, men and women sometimes mean completely different things, even if they say the same words. And I was like okay, this isn't the worst of advice. Maybe you're taking it to an extreme. Dr. Phil takes it to a new extreme. Here's a lighthearted and funny look about what men say to women. Sometimes they're dead on. 
As a psychologist, not uh, currently licensed, and someone who has studied male-female relationships for 30 years, I never cease to be amazed at how sometimes women fail to get obvious messages from some guy who's trying to tell her something. The problem is not that women are negative, picking up their mate's language all the time, but that an awful lot of women seem to be really naive. Many women just don't pick up on the bright red flares a man sends to indicate that he's losing interest, or to imply what he really wants, or to betray impure motives. I continually marvel that how women in love could filter out messages that no one on earth could miss. To get some clarity, and maybe a few good laughs, look at the following examples translating to manspeak. So he said, another glass of wine. What did he mean, Naomi? Um, let me get in your pants. Drink up. We'll both look better. Hi, significant other. I'd like to ply you with alcohol because currently you're ugly. Also, you probably find me ugly. Also, we both smell bad. (laughs) He said, I need space. What does he really mean? Let's break up so I can see other people. Close. We are so over that I'm thinking of going into witness protection to get away from you. Oh, wow. You psycho. (laughs) You're beautiful. What does he mean, Naomi? You're fucking ugly. Sorry, what? (laughs) What does he mean, Naomi? You're ugly. He means, thanks for not wearing a bra. True, though. These are all things Dr. (laughs) Phil has said to people. He says, is that a new dress? What does he actually mean, Naomi? How much of my money did you spend? Oh, very good. He says, great. How much did that cost me? If he says, I love you, Naomi, what does he mean? I'm so far out the door that you you can see skid marks. Ah, no, 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 no. He says he really means I want to have sex with you. Oh. <laughs> he says I love you too. What does he really mean? Now I really want to have sex with you. <laughs> he says, and this one's a head scratcher, Naomi. Okay. I'm going out with the guys. What does he mean? I'm going to go cheat on you. If Dave had breasts, I'd never see you again. Ew. <laughs> Um, Dr. Phil, maybe reevaluate some of your relationships. It seems interesting that you construe all male relationships as inherently non-sexual only because men aren't gay. It's a theme that I've seen in both this book and also in Steve Harvey's book where it's like, I'm going to give advice, but it's actually advice that like I think about. So it's like (laughs) things that I have said and thought before. I, I listened to, there's, there's another podcast uh, that I've been listening to recently called uh, If Books Could Kill, and mm-hmm. they had an episode recently about men are from Mars, women are from Venus, yeah. which coincidentally they did several months after us, so I'm wondering if maybe they're ripping off the content. They definitely are. Yeah, Their podcast sure. explores like really popular self-help books and all the horrible advice that these super popular like 80s, 90s, early 2000s books gave. So one of the things they point out is all the advice that John Gray gives in the Men of Mars books seems like weirdly specific to his relationship. Like, we didn't really touch upon this, but he doesn't give a lot of examples of other couples that he's helped. Mostly it's just him and his wife. Yeah. And the examples he gives are like, uh, there was this time when my wife had just given birth and I was back at the office five days later not helping my wife and she didn't have painkillers all day and she was calling, crying, trying to get me to pick up painkillers. And when I got home, she was like, you're a total buzzkill. And I was like, mm. And it's like, John Gray, this book is you working through your problems. This is like the am I the asshole like posts on Reddit all over again, but like in book form. So here's some Steve Harvey-esque advice. If he says, let's split the bill, Naomi, what does he really mean? I don't want to go on a second date with you. 
Uh, it means I'm a cheap bastard. Oh, that's shit. the only reason people would split household. Expenses. Not because you know, like everything is expensive. Yeah, and people want like equality in their relationships. If he says, "Sure, we can be just friends," what does he actually mean? Sure, we can be just friends. Um, I'm still gonna try to pursue you and sleep with you as long as we can do it naked. Damn it! You're getting closer. That's pretty good. Um, if he says, "Have you lost weight?" What does he really mean? I'm trying to get in your pants. I just booked a golf game for Saturday. And finally, Naomi, if he says, can I help with dinner, what does he really mean? You're not doing it. You're, you're not cooking what I want to cook, so I'm going to do it. Um, not exactly. He really means, will it ever be ready? First, Dr. Phil is clearly, like, projecting on relationships, but also he's doing, like, hacky 80s comedian bits. Yeah. He's like, I hate my wife, and my kids are all trans. Mamma mia. They're, what? <laughs> You've never seen that meme? No. Okay. Uh, yeah, so we've discussed in prior episodes how, like, Dr. Phil's advice seemed kind of similar to Steve Harvey's at times, and definitely their sense of humor seems very similar. If they were raised in roughly the same eras, they make I want the same them to jokes. be, like, besties in real life. That is funny, because we, ma- we made the joke about them never being in the same room together, and before I started reading this, I stumbled across a video. It was, like, the showdown of the TV Titans, and there was a series of crossover episodes between their two shows where Steve Harvey and Dr. Phil, like, competed in different games. Like, they raced golf carts and played mini-golf, and I think Steve Harvey was on Dr. Phil's show to discuss, like, his wife and he's like, this bitch. And Dr. Phil's like, what? And he says, my new dog, I mean. And Dr. Phil's like, ho, 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 ho. Um, I hate men. Yeah, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. So Naomi, speaking of hating men, maybe your problem is you don't understand them. How many times have you looked at the man you're dated, shaking your head and wondered, can he really be that stupid, insensitive, tuned out, selfish, or clueless? The answer is, no, he's probably not that bad. But he is, shall we say, male. As in, action-oriented, protective, goal-directed, and strength-preserving. Before you can judge the men in your life, you'll have to figure out what drives them and why. So... He's like, well, sometimes men act in specific ways consistently, and you have to figure out what sort of type of man they are. He doesn't fit every man into a box. He actually fits all men into 10 boxes, um, which means that he's not stereotyping. But simultaneously, you're like, okay, if your advice is simple, it seems stupid. If it's really complicated, it doesn't seem like it actually applies to people at all. Um, And he's really writing that line throughout this entire book. Here are the 10 types of men, Naomi. Okay. One Trick Ponies, Clark Kent's, Caveman Competitors, Needy Neds, Sex Gods, Gordon Geckos, Efficiency Experts, Human Minefields, Lifelong Pupils, and Sore Losers. There's so many. Yeah, you're going to have to commit all of this to memory or buy a copy of this book because I'm certainly not loaning it to you. <laughs> Actually, it would be pretty fun if at the end of every book we hated, we just figured out a way to destroy it. And, like, film that for our Instagram? No, no, no. We we figure out a way to destroy it in a manner that is, like... Befitting. To yeah, it. exactly. So it's, like, this is misogynistic, so we should, like, get a group of women together to destroy it. Yeah. Like, like an old Greek legend of a man. Oh, my God. It brought up men women. golfing. We should just, like, put it off of a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the first type, Naomi. Okay. One-trick ponies. 
Most men are linear thinkers. They take a single file, one thing at a time approach to life. Think of this quality as nature's way of helping men focus singularly on the matter at hand, be it the hunt, the job, the sexual conquest, or Monday night football without interference. Yeah, that's what evolution has led to, men focusing on Monday night football without interference. Clearly, this characteristic is not without its pros and cons. As I said, I'm not here to defend it, I'm only here to report it. If you are the one thing that a man is currently passionately focused on, obviously that's great. But if you temporarily drop at any point in time to number four, five, or six, you're going to feel really frustrated because you like to feel rejected, undervalued, and hurt. Sorry, because you're likely to feel. Oh, I was like, I like to feel that way? (laughs) This is not an all-or-nothing phenomenon. He can multitask on a bunch of mindless or dispassionate duties, but when a man's attention has been captivated by something, everything else is going to fade in a hurry. If you catch him when he's already passionately invested in some activity, project, or subject matter, and you're trying to talk to him after he's been sucked in, you're wasting your time and talking to yourself. So you have to pick your time, pick your battles, everything is fine. So keep in mind that... Sometimes men will get really intensely focused on things. If it means what that means to you is that if you ever dated a man who seems to forget that telephones exist, then you know what I'm talking about. If you ever dated a man you meet while on vacation, forget about it. On vacation, he has nothing to focus on but you and the idea of romance. The second they return to their regularly scheduled programs, guys will start backpedaling. You'll be left to wonder what happened. So the most important thing you can do with this information, Naomi, is just understand that sometimes guys are super focused on things and you shouldn't hold it against them. You should find a new time to focus on trying to seduce them or get in their pants or date them or whatever. No, but okay. What are you talking about? Steve Harvey said the same thing. He's like, if men aren't the top of the corner stoop, they're going to never focus on ladies. You if have they to help men become their best. If these men are not best friends, I'm going to be sorely disappointed. Yeah, he gives one example where he's like... Um, a lady thought that her husband didn't love her anymore, so she dressed up in a sexy French maid outfit and started, like, dusting the room during Sunday night football. Yeah. And he didn't even notice that, like, she was in a sexy French outfit. She's like, because oh, don't you love football. me anymore? Dr. Phil's like, well, you have to understand. The man's compartmentalizing. He's a one-trick pony. You gotta seduce him during Monday night football. Completely different animal. I don't know. Some men are one-trick ponies, Naomi. I just don't understand. Okay, part two. Number two, <laughs> Naomi. Clark Kent. Inside a lot of guys, there lives a would-be Superman who can save the day, the planet, and you all at a moment's notice. Men are natural problem solvers, or at least that's what they think they are. Um, what actually are they? Bad at things. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to relationships, you need to understand that men have to feel like heroes. They need to feel as though they are vitally involved, have something to offer, and a position of power in the relationship. That doesn't mean they have to be the boss, or you have to bat your eyes and pretend to be helpless, but you do have to let a man know he has something vital to offer. Okay, so this is literally the like almost exactly the advice that Steve Harvey gave. Well, no, Steve Harvey was like the man has to think he's on top. Doctor Phil's like he doesn't necessarily have to be on top. Yeah, <laughs> but Steve Harvey's like even if you are on top, you have to make him feel like you're on top. That yeah. he's on top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Steve Harvey's like you have like, to coddle the guy. Doctor Phil's like you have to coddle the guy, but not as badly. They're they're different people, Naomi. Why are you people. drawing these comparisons? Yeah. <laughs> So everyone likes to feel wanted, and men might just be worth going to. Trouble to point out that even though many parts of your life are working real well, it doesn't mean you don't have unmet needs, just like everyone else. So as a woman, you need to be able to show men that having your act together doesn't mean you don't need them. You have to give them some opportunity to, like, step in. No. Absolutely not. So when I met my significant other, she was in her final year of law school. Yeah. And had all of her student loans covered. Yeah. And had like an apartment. And yeah. was raising cats and had like a rich inner world. And I was like, bye, because I didn't have anything to offer her. 
As you should. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not saying it's not potentially good advice to be like, find something your partner needs and attempt to appeal to it. But it's also <sighs> really shitty advice. It also seems like really shitty advice for women to like have to refocus their entire lives and offer these opportunities for men. It's like, I don't know, I'm picturing like a damsel in distress on the railroad tracks tied down by like a Wild West villain who's like stroking his mustache. And the the woman has to do it like once a week to make her man feel wanted. To like be tied down on a... So the third is caveman competitors. The thing you have to understand about men is that because they're pretty competitive as a general rule, they tend to be somewhat externally defined. For men, life is sometimes primarily about competing and winning, not getting hugs, being supported and listened to. Although at some level, men like those things as well. Men are big on staking out their territory, proving their manhood and being strong in the face of challenge. It's a good thing if your man is in fact competent and you enjoy being taken care of and protected. It's a bad thing if he's an insecure doofus who grew up comparing genital size on the playground. Been there. Interesting experience. (laughs) And now maintains his ego by always having to drive the big expensive car, wearing the watch he can't afford, or tearing muscles trying to be the man on the softball team. If if he has children, this is the man who will try to live through them vicariously as they get into sports or the school play. They're negative sides of his caveman-ness, but it can be productive as well. So what it means to you, Naomi, is that there's nothing like a little healthy competition to get him to stop looking at you like chopped liver and start seeing you for the flaming yawn that you and all your friends know you are. I feel like this is like giving the advice to the women like, oh, if your man is acting this way every day when he comes home, like don't be wearing anything. Just be wearing an apron or like wear some lingerie or something to like get his attention again. Well, well, no, 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 that's not what he's suggesting because that's not competition. Then you're just going to be like, oh, you're baloney. You're not filet mignon. See, how you actually keep this guy attracted, if there's someone he respects, like a friend or a social rival, start showing interest in you and start showing interest in them. And he sees you two hitting it off and having a great time, his investment in you is going to go up. So make no, your man because jealous. anyone in their right mind would be like, if you're hitting on my friend, I'm going to dump you. What are you talking about? All men are cavemen. They drag their knuckles and beat people with clubs and, and go, drag them ah, to their cave. like Tarzan. That's going to show up well on audio. Yeah. Uh, also, Naomi, realize that men like to have what I call sweat equity. If they haven't worked hard to get their position in the relationship, they won't value it. As soon as they think, I've got this locked, this relationship is over and done, it's lost its sizzle, and you'll be out the door. That's why you need to do the 90-day rule, Naomi. Make oh, him earn stuff. God. Yeah, I don't know how helpful this advice is. Phil, I feel you're kind of creating problems that don't exist, and if they do exist, they apply to like 1%, 5% of men. So I don't know if this is actually going to benefit women or just make men be like, oh, she's playing hard to get. I don't like playing games. Bye. <laughs> Number four is needy Neds. So he says that men live in a world they often define as highly competitive dog-eat-dog scorekeeping environment. They need validation from their friends, their colleagues, and their family, but the validation from the woman they love is the kind they value most. The problem is that men often lack insight into their needs and therefore have a difficulty time articulating them or even so much as admitting that they exist. So what it means to you is... You and I both know that needs are nothing to be ashamed of, but don't try to tell that to most guys. Men don't talk about needs because, as I said, deep down most men don't believe that they are weaknesses. So it's hard for women to know what a man's needs are. Because men can't or won't talk about them, much of your job to go on a quest to discover what your man's most prominent needs are. Once you identify them, your goal is to figure out a way to meet them. 
So how you can use it is if you know what a man needs and you both and you give it to him because you've decided it's healthy for both of you to do so, his experience of you will be high quality. He'll be drawn to you, he'll seek you out, and he will soak up the validation you have to offer. The more he falls in love with you, the greater power you have to validate him, and the more he will value you for his balance in the world. So he's like, some men need to feel like they can offer something to women. And some men need to feel like women have, women have something to offer them. I just, it's every single, like, way that he's describing this is that, like, men need women in order to, like, feel full. And that women can go either way, but men are, like, men are these, like, babies that need women little to survive. Bit. I was thinking that sounds like the same characteristic just described in different ways for both sexes. He's like, some men need to provide. Some women need to provide. And this will help relationships in both cases. So is that helpful advice or is that just describing the problem two ways but in a gendered way each time? Both. I think <laughs> Dr. Phil is a genius. He's writing this book to everyone and no one simultaneously. It's the everybody's nobody. I was thinking it like a friend to everyone's a friend to no one. A, a, a book that's applicable to everyone is a book that's applicable to no that's one. That's very fair. Yeah. Number five is sex gods. It is a rare man who can admit that given the opportunity, he would not be having sex 24-7. That's it. Uh your dick would get so sore, though. I wrote Steve Harvey in the margins here, and it kind of, my, my handwriting smeared, so it kind of looks like Steve Horny. Was it the <laughs> Was it the Vegas example? No, I was thinking of him like, men love sex, ladies. You got to give them sex. You got to give them sex nine times a week, ladies, after the 90-day rule, of course. Okay, you got to dress up in your lingerie. Men don't find t-shirts attractive. Maybe he's just slowly going insane. Yeah, this, I am. And I'm here for it. So he's a sexual animal. You got to hear him roar. And then he says, well, if you actually believe that, Naomi, I've got some great beachfront property to show you in Arizona. There is actually beaches in Arizona. Hmm. There, there are beaches at Lakes, Phil. So you, you can, in fact... Um, purchase beachfront property N never mind never mind <laughs> so what it means to you is that men need to feel virile and attractive some men are actually even quite romantic but either way men need to feel strong and accepted that's why at least in part many women report they will fake an orgasm rather than deal with the insecurity and hurt feelings that come when he doesn't get affirming feedback the old pat on the shoulder would just break his heart after all the hard work he put in how you can use that, Naomi, is once you've done your homework and identify your man's needs, made the value judgment those needs are healthy, it's time to make a very focused to-do list. If you have sex with your man and you enjoy it, tell him how amazing it is. That's absolute music to his ears. He'll be so excited by the sound of your sincere praise that he is going to keep coming back for more. Of course, that isn't to say you should lie and fake orgasms if you're having a horrible time. If that's the case, it may be time to put your teacher's hat on and start giving lessons. I don't know how that, like, squares away with men's desire to feel like they're experts in things. Like, if men want to be, like, the top of the heap and know everything, how how are they going to take it when women are like, you suck at sex, let me explain what I actually want. <laughs> like, he's giving all this advice, and, and I don't know if this all applies to all men, or it's meant to be different types of men, in which case, I don't know how easily you can identify what sort of man. This is all very confusing. But... It does lengthen the, the book by about 50 pages, so he's, he's doing good work in that regard. 
The sixth type is Gordon Gecko's Naomi. It's men who are like super greedy, who never waste their time doing something for nothing. They tend to be scorekeepers. He says, don't judge a man's greed, use it to your advantage. Um, reward behaviors so you can get them to be more likely. So if your man like does the dishes once, that's when you give him the good sex, Naomi. That's when you put on the lingerie. Okay, can we just talk about the fact that when men do the dishes like once they're like oh my god praise me like you know what I mean but then women will do I've had so many friends come up to me and they're like I have done the dishes every single day and he does it once and he's like praise me tell me thank you like all these things and he's never said thank you well literally no one listened to the episode Lauren and I did on dating apps for couples not maybe dating apps maybe that was the wrong phrasing apps that help people who are dating long term Yes. And one of them was Sweepy, which is this great little app which allows you to track different household chores. Partially so you can be like, oh, I don't like cleaning the tops of fans. I should, you know, make a little reminder every three months to do it. Yeah. But the other part is you can very easily track who in the house is doing chores. And you can assign values to them and be like, if everyone hates doing dishes, let's make dishes a three. If everyone finds taking the trash out easy, make it a one. And you can come up with like elaborate scores so like people can keep track. And then if you want to reward people for doing more chores, you can do it that way. My issue with that is that I'm just so competitive that if I were to get that app, I'd like overdo it and then still like make it an issue. And then you should have your partner reward you for contributing around the house. We, uh, Laura and I have an agreement where whoever does the more like chore points total in a month gets a, a gift card to like, like other video games or HBO or something so we can have some entertainment as a reward for the fact that we contributed around the house and made it clean and beautiful. What can you buy with $10 these days? $25. Oh. Yeah. I thought you said $10. Yeah. Like, like I don't know, video games, an HBO Max subscription for a couple of yeah. months, two months, something like that. Uh, efficiency experts. So some men uh, are very focused on trying to get everything done as quickly as possible. Um, that's why he says men really enjoy muscle cars and like cars that go fast because they're like, look how efficiently I can move around. Yeah, that's why men buy really fast cars. <laughs> okay. Um, so what it means to you is that um, men simply do not put the same things at the top of their priorities lists as women do. Men invariably underestimate the importance of certain things to women. If you combine their miscalculation of the fact that they're focused on what they believe is actually important, what you wind up with is a man in the doghouse. So what he suggests is focus on the efficiency um, I'm sorry, disregard that. So what he suggests is don't get mad. You have to express yourself. You have to figure out what's important to you and then actively set up your world to ensure your priorities get met. So you have to tell him exactly what you care about. So like it may not feel as good to tell a guy you love getting flowers, that you want to do something ridiculously romantic on Valentine's Day. But if you want something bad enough, you'll need to tell your guy as much because the last thing he'll be able to do is read your facial expression when he's watching SportsCenter. He says you should not have to tell him over and over again, but that is just how it is. That you do have to tell him over and over again? Yeah, he's like, you shouldn't have to, but you will. Like, that's just what men are. Tell him what you like. Now, this advice is bad because what he's really trying to say is communicate with your partner their likes and dislikes. Yeah. And if you find that after repeatedly communicating your likes and dislikes to a partner, they continue to go out of your way to not do things you like and continue to do things you dislike, there may be a problem in the relationship. Yeah. What he's actually saying is men are actually really smart and they focus on getting stuff done. So you have to like engineer them in a specific way because men are robots. No, but the thing is that I think that a lot of women don't know and this is my dating advice book um, from now on. Um, I 
have been told on multiple occasions from people that are I consider are in successful relationships that you need to tell your partner exactly what you want because I feel like a lot of people have this habit of being in a relationship and thinking that the partner can read their mind like oh I want flowers my partner should get me flowers and then get mad at their partner for not buying them flowers or um, taking them on a trip or planning dates or something like that you need to communicate with your partner, like overly communicate at times about what you want. And you mm-hmm. can't just, you, you can ask for things in a relationship that's completely normal, but don't get mad at your partner for not knowing things that you have not told them that you like. Fair enough. Number eight is human minefields. Um, all people have a history. There are certain things based upon that history that they're going to bring in your relationship. Um, so he might have pain about certain things in a relationship. Um, he refers to his baggage, um, and it may or may not have to do with previous romantic entanglements. It may have to do with like issues on the corporate ladder or bad sexual experiences in the past, or maybe he feels dumb because he blew the SATs in high school. Same. So what it means it to you, Naomi, is to know what a guy is sensitive about is have a great amount of power and responsibility. It is this kind of sensitivity, is this ability to read people and know where the rubber meets the road in another person's life that makes someone a great people person. You have to understand that your knowledge of a guy's hot buttons can backfire you if you ever try to use this information against him. So he's like, sometimes people feel bad about things, and what you should do with that information is not make them feel bad about that thing. That'll help you maintain a man. Naomi's just stunned. I have no <laughs> words for this. Like, this is... Is this like, advice supposed to be helpful? This is like learning how to deal with people in third grade. Yes! Like, maybe someone pooped their <laughs> pants at recess sometime. If you continue to bring it up to people, they will not like you. If you continue this is to stuff bring it you up, learn in kindergarten. If you continue to bring it up, um, senior year of high school... They're gonna they're gonna have an issue with you. Ladies, you might have difficulty attracting a man if in fourth grade you repeatedly refer back to that time in first grade he pooped his pants. Great advice, Phil. Uh, lifelong pupils, Naomi, number nine. Uh, men can change like anyone else, but change isn't easy and it takes effort. As I've implied numerous times, if a regular guy woke up to find a couch tied to his back and a remote control glued to his hand, he'd think he died and went to heaven. Unless, of course, that television was less than 32 inches and stuck on the food channel, in which case it might feel more like hell. This is Steve Harvey. He's like, ESPN and ESPN2 are all of the channels. Ah! <laughs> That'll play well audio-wise. Boy, you're really, you're really I'm gonna taking all, the media. I'm going to edit this one. In new ways. I'm going to edit this one. We need to do like one of those uh, those asthma setups where we have like my voice in one ear it's and your ASMR. voice in ASMR. Why do all people over the age of like 25 call it asthma? Asthma saves you like 50 syllables. It's easier to pronounce. I give up on Yeah, that's pretty good. So he's like, men are inherently lazy and they would prefer to sit on the couch watching TV. Um, personally, I kind of enjoy the Food Network. I enjoy watching no, you all these can't. ridiculous shows with Guy that. Fieri doing sick, twisted things to food. Yeah, do you know he's having fun. a free... I'm going to tell you this afterwards. Okay. <laughs> um, so he says, I've often said that men need the dots put together really close and then connected to the bright red line. A lot of women can use this because if you want to hold out for one of those sensitive types, there's more power to you, but you might be able to train the one you have into being what you want and need on an emotional front in less time than it takes to find someone who's already there. So he's like... Uh, well, men are stupid, and if you give him positive feedback, it'll make him less stupid, which seems like the other thing he said about men needing to be told what's an important focus, but just repeated in a different way because he wanted to make this list 10 rather than 9 because 10 feels like more, 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 more things. <laughs> 
Uh, the last person is a sore loser, number 10. Um, no one likes to lose, but men really, really can't stand it because of their competitive nature. Again, this this is like the other two or three we mentioned competition. Yeah. Men don't like to lose. When men lose a battle, they take it personally because it's not just a matter of losing, but a test of wills, a test of manhood and worth. Men may feel like they lost a fight and have been shown to be weaker. They get a bad score in golf, even though golf may have no relevance to their life. The loss will stay with them for the rest of their week. Even though golf has nothing to do with their own life, they're going to yeah. have an issue with it. Because old man Jenkins thinks golf is important and they lost face at work because of it. When men take a hit to their pride and ego, like when they poop their pants in the kindergarten, <laughs> they will sulk and pout for days, maybe longer. At all costs, avoid making your guy feel like a loser. A smart woman knows how to help a man maintain his need for power and control without losing herself. Uh, keep in mind, this is completely different than, you know, the women who learn how to teach men how to do stuff and women who learn a man's weak points and don't use them against him. This has absolutely no relation to those others, Naomi. I have no so words. now do you feel more confident dealing with men now that you know the 10 different types of men and what not to do with the knowledge? Do you mean like gained? basic human decency? <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like I knew that before, though. <sighs> wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Awesome, awesome. Um, he does say that there's also some dark sides to men. Like, it's not just all roses and buttercups, Naomi. Oh, wait, it's really? It's not just all ESPN and ESPN2. He says there's five types of men you should avoid like nobody's business. Okay. The five types are the hitter and quitter, the <laughs> kiss and teller, the smother brother, the pretender, and the mama's boy. What's the... This What's seems very pretend? similar to Steve Harvey's five or four archetypes. Oh my God, you're so right. So the hitter and quitter, these guys are the ones who just don't like women, yet they use women as often as possible. They still want sex, but their need for intimacy and female companionship ends at the foot of the bed. They will say virtually anything to get a girl naked and have no conscience about what lies and misrepresentations they tell to get there. Naomi, for $10, what was the name of the person in Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Man, the movie, who used this tactic to get women into bed? $10. Malcolm. Man. Zeke. <laughs> Zeke. Ah, clearly you weren't paying attention. We have to watch that movie again. Uh, There's the kiss and teller. These are the braggarts who are more interested in a trophy for the sole purpose of having a story to tell. I feel like there's a bit of an overlap between the hitter and quitter and the kiss and teller. It's an old rule about a guy's magic number. If a man tells you how many people he slept with, divide that number by two to get a real estimate. Then tell him to take a hike. Their only interest in meeting what they believe are society's expectations. They won't try to get to know you at all. They just want to show you off and make people think that they've got something, even if they don't. Remember, Naomi, according to Steve Harvey, you have to ha find someone who will profess you who will like like tell his family that that he likes you and that you're in a relationship. Yeah. You can't find that. If he doesn't tell you, let me remember what the quote was from Act Like Lady. Since you're thinking so much, why don't you think about making me a sandwich with pickles and cheese? Um that that was the line. And then he stands on a table and says, This is the woman I love. And she's like, Oh. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I take back everything. They're the same no, person. And the fact that you literally can quote that is so so wild to me that you're that invested in these awful books. It's called writing the episode, recording the episode, and then editing the episode. <laughs> oh my God. 
Uh, the Smother Brother, these guys are overwhelmed by a need for control. If you let them, they will do whatever they can to take over your entire life. These are the guys who tell a girlfriend how to dress and where she is and is not allowed to go. The problem is they cannot deal with uncertainty. They micromanage the life out of you in the relationship. At first, it might feel good that they're really head over heels in love with you and so invested, but be patient because you may soon find their only interest in not for, is not in caring for you, but in controlling you. Don't confuse smothering for love. Isn't okay. it weird that Steve Harvey never confronted, like, actual, like, realistic things, like emotional abuse? He's just like, sometimes men are goofy that and a mama's boy. doesn't exist in relationship. Yeah, I feel the whole movie would have had a much darker tone if it's like, my boyfriend wants to have sex with me, and he's gonna, gonna drop me. Well, my boyfriend won't let me leave the house, and it's been <laughs> six weeks. Yeah... Maybe that's, maybe that's what Act Like a Lady 3 is being held up on. They're like, we want to do like a more realistic, gritty version of this. I can believe that. And they're also like, we also want it to be a comedy. Yeah. Where like, what's his name? Kevin Hart comes in and does some goofy pranks. Ew. Spins his wife's MasterCard on stuff. <laughs> uh, number four is The Pretender. He's playing a script and doesn't care who's playing opposite him. He just likes to roll romantic lead. He has no intention of following through by sticking around and doing the actual work. Once the guy feels he's got you, it's game over. Now he's got to figure out what to do with you. Then he moves on to the next victim if that's too boring a proposition for him to deal with. That feels like number one and two. <laughs> but of course, number five is different. That's the mama's boy, unemployed and seeking women who are affluent to take care of them emotionally and financially. Mama's boys are looking to be, you guessed it, mommied. Instead of viewing relationships as their chance to grow into adulthood, they look at women as mothers who will feed, clothe, and clean up after them. Actually, no, this is different than Steve Harvey because the mama's boy in Steve Harvey's book was literally someone who spent too much time with his mom. Yeah, yeah. Wow, maybe they're not. The Very same. I'm going back and forth. Yeah. My brain's all all a flutter. So, Naomi, we're approaching the end of the book, and I think both of our patients with this. I don't know if there's anything in particular you want to talk about. He discusses how to attract men, how to develop a plan to pick up men. Oh, uh, he does have some suggestions of places to pick up men. I don't know where. If you want to where? Hear this. Okay. Yeah, I do want to hear this. Um, so he says to get where you where, what you want in your future mate, you've got to go where the men are. Of course, no one says you can't meet your husband in line at the DMV or at the nail salon, but those aren't places to actively do your search. Here are 31 top spots to choose from. Number one, your church or temple. Number two, batting cages. Number three, the U.S. Opens. Number four, baseball games. Number five, major sporting events. What Number is six, this? How to lose bars. a guy in 10 days? Number seven, cigar bars. Number eight, sporting goods stores. Number nine, music festivals. See, he can't simultaneously say sometimes men are too emotionally invested in things like sports to care about women and also say the best place for women to meet a man who's going to be good for them is at sporting events. It feels like you're trying to pick up men who he says aren't going to be attracted to you at those places. Am I crazy? They're all gay. <laughs> Hot take from this podcast. If you like sports, you're gay. Thanks, Naomi. You're so uh, welcome. Number 10, concerts. 11, art galleries. 12, car shows. 13, golf courses. 14, your office. Ooh. Ew. 15, Don't shit where you eat. Uh, 16, the bars of trendy restaurants. 17, the park. 18, the dog run. 19, the internet. 20, the gym. 21, philanthropic groups like Habitat for Humanity. 22, political campaigns or organizations. 23, auto racing events. 24, airplanes. 25, bookstores, tennis courts, shooting range, Starbucks, lacrosse games, hockey games, and number 31, hardware stores. (laughs) 
Just hanging out Could in the you plunger aisle. Being in boarding group A and having someone in boarding group E try to hit on you. Yeah, I just think they wanted to get on the plane fast. <laughs> I would not be. Yeah. Airplanes. Airplanes. Oh, I couldn't help but see that you were watching uh, Minions 2 on your little TV screen. You know, I was a voice of one of the Minions. That's untrue. I auditioned for the voice of one of the Minions. Are you more attracted to me <laughs> That's now? not true. I thought about auditioning <laughs> the voice of one of the Minions. This is like where people in their 60s hang out. Which, I mean, if you're a woman trying to attract a man with money, yeah, you might have some better luck at art galleries and car shows and the bars of trendy restaurants. Um, it's weird how he doesn't really give any focus on the internet. He's like, this is one out of three. Is it what? It's 2004? Well, that's the weird thing, because we discussed this, I think, in the first episode. He was the major celebrity that, what was it, Match.com was using when they first launched? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, so like he himself was pushing the internet. And there is a section in this book where he talks about writing the perfect like internet profile. And I don't think there's bad advice there. If anything, like we can dig into that a bit more. But what I find is funny is he's like, here are all these places you can pick up men. You got to narrow down where you're going. You got to know your audience. So you have to like brush up on like who won the World Series that year. If you're going to sports games, (laughs) you got to like not be a poser, which maybe the better advice is if you don't care about that stuff and don't already have that knowledge, don't bother learning or trying to learn. It feels like you're going to be discovered very quickly, especially because men, if they really care about this stuff, tend to have that like gatekeeping mentality or like, oh, you like sports? Name five. Exactly. Baseball, hockey, uh, uh, (laughs) uh, uh, racket, uh, tennis. Pickleball. Um, he then suggests once you identify the men, you've learned some like, you know, trivia about whatever they care about. Because clearly women couldn't ever be interested in these things. You got to do some ice breaking. And these questions are like, which family member are you closest to? What was the best concert you ever went to? What's the best vacation you've ever been on? Which feels like someone who's trying to steal my wallet. Like, what's your mother's maiden name? Do you have any pets? What are what's their names? What's your ATM card number? But also, like, oh, you've been to Aruba? Hmm, that sounds expensive. <laughs> I wonder, what's your credit limit? <laughs> if you had a favorite three numbers that appeared on the back of a major document, what would they be and why? <laughs> yeah, so... It, it's such like woefully generic advice. It's, it is somewhat similar to that episode we did on conversations where we're like, how do you actually talk and communicate with people? And he's like, no, have like some stories to tell in advance that you've prepped, have like some basic information you can refer back to. So you're not like stuttering, know how to like bring a conversation back, which boy, this is a very, very limited summary of all the skills you need to learn in order to pick up people in these places. I feel like if we, challenged a bot to make a dating book like write a dating book this would be it yeah um he ends this section by saying that um men again like to feel like they're competing and that a woman like is something they've earned not something that's just been given to them mm-hmm. so you got to play like hard to get if he wants to hook up this weekend tell him you can't till next weekend don't offer an explanation if he asks what you're doing respond with a vague answer like it's just not a good night or i've got plans with a friend if you're always available naomi you're gonna bore him if he's vying for your time he's gonna get a little competitive so yeah make when you've met someone you like make it hard to spend time with them 
um, make it clear that they're not a top priority for exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Do we feel that advice is more likely to not apply to younger people? Because I feel especially like post-COVID, more and more people want someone who's emotionally connected yeah. and not things that are casual. I'm I not think saying it, it depends. can't be. Yeah, no, I think it depends on the relationship. Like if you're looking for something more casual, then yeah, maybe play the hard get game. But then if you're looking for something more serious, be upfront with your emotions. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think that's the best advice you can give anyone if they're tr- or trying to pursue like a more serious relationship is to be upfront about their emotions. And he finishes the section by saying this theory applies to sex too. If you hop up in bed, uh, uh, if you hop in bed up front, there's no mystery or intrigue. It's best to keep him guessing about when, where, and what it'll be like, than showing him everything you've got too soon. Does that remind you of anyone, Naomi? I don't want to say his name. Yeah, so he gives a lot of information about like taking photos. I don't think any of this is bad advice, especially because it's. But like, it's not good advice. Well, it's it's like the very start of dating culture, so it's yeah. like super basic stuff that we take for granted, but probably is helpful to people. It's like use the most recent photo you have. Include a photo of your head and shoulders that's in focus and well lit. Head, Smile. shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes. You need to wrap this up because Naomi's going crazy. He says, um, "Do use color photos and do show a bit of your body. You're not looking." for any man you're looking for the one who's interested in what you really are i'm like okay this is what am i not the worst advice one thing that i find is kind of interesting is if you want to meet someone the first date that you're meeting after you've met them online should only be about 15 minutes what meet during the day which may be safer since it's light out here's a biggie no matter how much you're attracted on him on date one don't get into his car or accompany him to any private place make the date short Tell him ahead of time you only have 15 minutes. Trust me, if he's not your man, 15 minutes will drone on like an hour. If he's a fabulous catch, he'll understand and respect your desire to protect yourself. Someone who can only dedicate 15 minutes to me is not someone I want to spend time with, even on a first date. It's like, oh, I'm going to hit it and quit it. I mean, honestly, it sounds kind of like all those people who are doing those those online video dates before they meet in person. Where yeah. Like, I just want to quickly, you know, figure out if someone's right for me. Yeah. But theoretically, if you're meeting someone in person, you've already figured all that out. I would say if you want to modify this rule, maybe say, you know, I have no more than an hour. And if needed, you can say, oh, my thing got canceled and extend it. Right. Give yourself an out. Give yourself yeah. an opportunity to leave if the date goes wrong. But like... Always give minutes. yourself an out. Always. Even if you're in a relationship, give yourself. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. There's other sections. He gives some warning signs. He's like, if he has a gambling addiction, if he says he can't live without you after two dates, if he says he's not technically legally single, these are all problems in men. But in general, very little of this advice is like how to... It's more of women needing to learn how to tolerate the issues with men than it is men having problems and women needing to, like, fix them. None of this advice is, like, men, you need to be better. It's all women need to tolerate men's inadequacies, which is frustrating. (laughs) And I guess the Steve Harvey— all of womanhood. I I feel like Steve Harvey's the same same advice perspective because it's, like, written by a man for women telling them how it really is. And it's frustrating that there aren't any books out there that are, like, written for women, written for men by women, or written by men for men. The only real thing you have is, like, pickup artistry culture. (laughs) So I think we can wrap this up. I'm not really feeling like I want to dig into the reconnection flowchart or the myths of happy couples. These are all pretty boring sections. Yeah, because there is no such thing as a happy couple. 
Are there any major takeaways you have from this book? Naomi? Um, I don't think that people that are famous should write dating <laughs> app book, dating books, dating app books, dating app books. Uh, I like the fact that on the cover, as you pointed out in number one, you have the front, which is a picture of Dr. Phil leaning against a big heart. And then the back is like his, his butt, butt leaning against the heart. Yeah. Um, I thought that was cute. I didn't like how there were little hearts on every single page surrounding the page number. Because he's giving dumb. you love advice and you're supposed to find love and you're supposed to be in a good mood. I feel it's condescending advice. It's advice that's far too similar to the crazy ramblings of Steve Harvey. It's advice that could be supported by research, but he never bothers bringing in any research. Yeah. Which would be a smart call given that like... He's known as America's psychologist and America's therapist. Yeah. You'd think that'd be really important to him. Um, it's also advice that I, I think at the end of the day is just so vague, it's not really helpful. Mm-hmm. There are some sections where he gets really specific, and I'm like, oh, this is good. But there are other sections where it just seems like he's trying to pad the length of the book to make it seem like a better value. Mm-hmm. It's not anything that's like actually specific to men that like most people are going to meet on a day-to-day and simultaneously in other sections it might be too specific as to not be helpful i i think that it's just probably ghost written yeah for one for like sure it has a for huge sure, writing staff sure. yeah, yeah. that's it and what they probably did was they like looked at a couple of his episodes where he discussed dating issues they came up with a rough draft and then they like did some quick research to figure out like other content they could fill the book with and none of it seems like particularly focused and you can sort of see remnants of that in the final draft. Cause remember in chapter one, he's like, I'm going to teach you how to claim the man of your choice. Yeah. And he gives this acronym that's never brought up anywhere else in the book because thematically someone probably wrote chapter one and someone probably different wrote chapter five. Mm-hmm. There's never any sense of like combining stuff no. outside of you need to meet the content and, you know, page length requirements for this section. Yeah. <sighs> He still needs a different mustache. He does. It's too close to Steve Harvey. I'm thinking like a Chuck Norris. Mm. Big handlebar, big fat handlebar. Anyways, would I hope be everyone with, like, has a big, great oh my week. Gosh, he would be better with a big Viking beard. Like, uh, who is it? Kratos from the God of War series? We're not doing that. We're not doing, We're not that? doing that. No. Who He's is more in touch with his feelings than awful. the God of literal war? Anyways, I hope everyone has a great week. Joel, would you like to add anything before we end this episode? Dr. Phil's not a great person, and please pirate this book if you can. I bought mine used, so the money didn't go directly to him. Don't watch his show if when he's canceled in the next year or so for being a horrible person. He's already been canceled. Yeah. Every time he's canceled, make sure to like and share that information so other people are like, eh, maybe this person isn't the greatest. If you feel like you have a good perspective on relationships, maybe help us write a book on relationships so we can correct the record once and for all. If not, we're just going to get dreck like this from Gwyneth Paltrow. and (gasps) Is that the next person that's going to write a book? I have no idea. I'm trying to think of young celebrity influencers. Nick Cannon. Yeah, with the 12 kids. It's probably going to be um, one of those YouTube stars that's, you know, had a relationship breakup because one of them was cheating or um, one of those like Archie characters from the TV show. Like being like, I want to tell you how to date, having grown up in the worst dating TV show of all time. Yeah. It's going to happen, Naomi. I think that's a really great, uh, yeah, those are actually really great ideas. I'm excited for it. 
Have a great week, everyone. Don't act like Dr. Phil. Don't think like Dr. Phil. Don't watch Dr. Phil. And don't be Dr. Phil. Don't drive like my brother. And don't drive like mine.